1: Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher.
0: Start the clock. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Time will be real time. <laughs>
2: Appreciate that so much? Wow! <laughs> you, uh, you must be out of towners. Is that what it is? If you're out of state, please help yourself to some fire. We, you know, <laughs> we got plenty. You go to Vermont, you get maple syrup. You come here, take home a little fire. <laughs> No, we're always weather-conscious here in California. They said today, this is the big news out here, El Nino is coming, and they say it might end our four-year drought. Of course... (laughs) Of course, uh, jaded Californians went, Oh, great, rain. (laughs) (laughs) We are begging El Nino to hit us. That is what it has come to. We are praying... For one weather disaster to save us from the other weather disaster. And we needed, I mean, as if we don't have enough problems, you know, we get some of our water, that little that's left, from the Colorado River. And the EPA, did you see this this week, spilled, the EPA, who's supposed to prevent this, spilled three million gallons of acid mine sludge into the river, turn the river yellow and toxic. It's a huge screw-up, but uh, Donald Trump said it gave him a great idea how to keep Mexicans from crossing the Rio Grande. Sorry. Wow, I'll get to him. I mean, when are we going to start cherishing this planet a little bit? Did you see the explosions in China yesterday? Two massive explosions at a giant hazardous chemical warehouse and it's, it's, of course, very sad, because those hazardous chemicals were destined to come here and make your kids' toys shinier. <laughs> and your Doritos taste great. So that's... Uh, but they said the explosion happened at night it was so big it made the night sky look like day. And I tell you, in China, between the explosions making the night look like day and the pollution making the day look like night... <laughs> It's a wonder if these people get to sleep at all. I don't... Uh, but how about... <laughs> how about some good foreign news? Today we raised the American flag in Cuba for the first time. Oh, for like 60 years. Yes, after our fabulous 55-year diplomatic strategy of we're not talking to you... <laughs> John Kerry went there and opened an American embassy in Cuba because he said, look, for too long, Cuban people have been deprived of, first of all, American tourists. Hey, Cubans. (laughs) (laughs) Fat white people (laughs) trying to dance to salsa music. You're going to love us. Let me tell you. Uh, But, you know... Other than Marco Rubio and a few old Cubans in Miami, nobody gives a shit. Worrying about Castro at this point, it's like worrying about Bobby Jindal's presidential campaign. Yes, it's down there somewhere, but it doesn't matter. Well, that brings me to the presidential campaign, and I'm certainly glad something did, because today was the big Iowa State Fair. All the candidates... Iowa? Yeah. You're glad you're here with the fire. Uh, No, I love Iowa. But uh, all the candidates were there. This is true. Donald Trump flew in on his private helicopter and wanted, offered, to give (laughs) free helicopter rides to the kids. Um, That's true. I mean, as another how do you compete with that? Seriously. Chris Christie tried. He offered to be the bouncy house. I mean, it... Yeah, Trump said today he had a plan to defeat ISIS. I would laugh, except his plan to defeat Fox News worked. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Every week, Donald Trump says something crazy, insane, outlandish, and everybody goes, oh, that's, that's it. That's his downfall. And then he's fine. He's like Godzilla. Everything they throw at the monster makes him stronger. Uh, <laughs> you know, people thought last week that after the debate performance, Trump would go away. You're so silly. You were watching the debate with your brain. To understand the Republican mindset, you have to watch it with your balls. When Donald Trump says, I will make China behave, the brain goes, What? And the balls go, Damn straight. And it's about time somebody said that about. Gotta give you gotta give Trump credit for this. No teleprompter. He just pulls it out of his whatever. Oh, you saw that? Yes. This is the latest scandal. Period Gate. He <laughs> he was mad at megan kelly for asking him rough questions at the debate and he b- implied that she was being mean to him because she was just, she was menstruating that was i mean he said she had blood coming out of her eyes she had blood coming out of her whatever what could he have meant stigmata is that what he was talking about yes she's like our lord and savior she and it's so funny, you know, Fox, who was trying to destroy Donald Trump, they said after they, they said it's very important that we defend Megan Kelly, take a principled stand, protect our beloved employee. Then they looked at the ratings from the debate with Donald Trump, and they were like, maybe Megan was on the reg. You know, I... <laughs> <we> sh- <laughs> And Trump said, trying to recover, Trump said he is open to having a female vice president. I mean, minus those few days when they're a little crazy, because, you know. All right, you're a great crowd. We got a great show. Jennifer Granholm is here. Lawrence Wilkerson and Doug High. And a little later, we'll be speaking with hip-hop veteran Talib Kweli is here. But first up, she is the author of Dead Man Walking and the Death of Innocence, an eyewitness account of wrongful executions. Please welcome Sister Helen Prejean. Hey, Sister. How are you? Love your energy. Thank you very and much. And your vocabulary. Oh, it's I was, very colorful. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you was not. It, was it, no, no, you I'm, not. <laughs> you sound just like the nuns I had was a child. Oh,
0: yeah? Look, I don't, I don't wrap you with a ruler or anything.
2: Well, they did. You know, I was going to ask you about that because uh, I... they helped you. Huh? I went to Catechism.
0: Yeah, did you? <laughs> you and Tim Robbins,
2: y'all sell Well, only. obviously it didn't really take. Uh... <laughs> But I went to catechism every day, or not every day, but it was before church on Sunday where we had Catholic instruction. And the nuns were pretty mean, I must I'm say. I'm
0: very sorry to hear that. I, I try to show another side to nuns. And yeah. so we had Susan Sarandon, you know, do me and dead man walking because we yes. wanted to show the real nuns. And another day, another day, another day.
2: What I was going to ask you is that we have a new pope, not just new chronologically, but a new kind of pope. And, you know, they always say that organizations, no matter what they are, take their cue from the person at the top. And since we have such a more tolerant pope,
0: do you think it makes the nuns less mean? Well, if you notice what Pope Francis says about nuns, he's there with us. And it was the Vatican that came after us and said we were radical feminists or something. And all we're trying to do is do social justice and And live the gospel. So Pope Francis has been nun's redemption. Yes.
3: Really.
2: Yes, I mean, he's talking about divorced people now being able to take confession again. He, of course, said those nice things about we shouldn't judge gays. He said atheists can get into heaven. We don't care, but it was a nice gesture. Um, uh, do Do you think someday maybe he would say nuns could do what the priests do? Would you like to hear confessions?
0: Well, let me tell you. The confessions that go on in the confessional, there are not too many of those going on now. I mean truly really? it's ordained priesthood and you go into the confessional but that's just part of life I've been What with, happens
2: where do people confess
0: Well I mean it happens with people who are sorry for what they do we help each other acknowledge our wrong, you know and I don't know what you're telling
2: me well, look, uh, When God I was a kid forgives us. When God I was,
0: forgives us
2: I know but Oh, you're saying the confession is not happening? Well, no,
0: anymore. confession, but see, Vatican II defined the church as the people. And with us, like, for example, when I'm with people on death row, I've heard a lot of confessions, but not just with people on death row. So you do hear confessions? And you do too, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're on the other end. I don't know. No, but, but Okay,
2: okay. So this, I, I admit, I've not been to church in a while. Uh, since I made religious. But uh, but when I was going, yes. you walked into a little box with a man on the other side, yeah. and he was the only one who could absolve you of your sins. Yes. You're telling me that's changed?
0: Well, there's not as much emphasis on sin, and you're going to go to hell if you commit one mortal sin. Wow. Like you learned in your catechism, I did too. Wow. And now when you have someone like Pope Francis, it's the gospel. It's joy. Let's get out there and be... A church that's with the wounded. Okay. Wow,
2: <laughs> things have really changed. I'm glad we can have this conversation. Yeah, I got to give it a try again, uh... <laughs> but. Uh... All right, let's talk about your issue, because you mentioned yeah. Susan Sarandon. She did play you in the movie. This has been your life work, really. Yeah. About, well, about, since
0: I was 40 and woke up to the gospel the way Pope Francis Right, about...
2: about, about uh, wrote a
0: man on death row. Was death row was and executions.
2: Yeah. And I know you're working on a case now, uh, uh, Richard gossip oh, yeah. It's too complicated to get into. But no, but we do go want to the talk, w-
0: because he kind of just, it mirrors exactly what's wrong with the death penalty. Supposed to be for the worst of the worst, right? Right. The Supreme Court turns it over to states because, say, they know how to punish their criminals. Richard Glossop is sitting on death row and facing death on September 16th solely on the word of a man who admitted he murdered the guy but claimed Richard Glossop in his fourth version of his confession, claimed that he paid him to do it. It's pay for hire. Okay, but, but let me
2: ask you about the other case somebody who we know really did it like Sarnaev the yeah. Boston bomber he says he did it we yeah. have the video there's no doubt yeah now i've always said let's kill the right people I, I i know that's for... all right all right Edible. all right thank you um <laughs> Bill. Now, on, we, uh, we would both agree that we do the death penalty horribly in this country. I would agree with you. Unless we absolutely have it right, we are for sure like with Sarnia. But what about a guy like that? Yeah. Is it better to keep him in solitary for 80 years?
0: Well, let's just say that the, what it's really about is somebody like him who does an unspeakable crime, Let's just say in a book of justice, they deserve to die. But the the death penalty is about us. Right. And when the Supreme Court, that's been the theory, we're only going to reserve it for the worst, right? Let's get the right people. Let's reserve it for people like Timothy McVeigh. Let's reserve it for people who, but not Terry Nichols. So Tim McVeigh got the death penalty. Terry Nichols had good defense. And that brings us to Richard Glossop. He had like no defense. Sure. And so it's the structure of it's wrong. I brought it out in my book, Death of Innocence. I have been with seven people. Seven people on death row. I'm with the seventh one now, Manuel Ortiz, who's innocent too. Three of the seven have been innocent. It's broken. And you have a state like Louisiana. You have a state like Oklahoma where you had Bob Macy who cut notches in his belt he got 54 death penalties. You have these pockets where people they go for it and others who don't.
2: Let me ask you about somebody else we killed, Bin Laden. Now when we went when we got Bin Laden, when the president got Bin Laden, I said, "I'm totally down with that because I'm not a Christian." But if you are a Christian, and I read all these quotes from Jesus, I mean, famous ones that everybody knows, like turn the other cheek, but other ones like don't repay evil with evil, don't take revenge on your enemies. I mean, it's on every other page. Jesus says, basic everything but specifically, don't kill bin Laden.
0: (laughs) There was a footnote on that, if you noticed. What would you say
2: about bin Laden?
0: You can't make any exceptions to anybody because it's about us. We you're either ben a Laden. Christian
2: or you're not, right? You're either a follower but human of... human
0: rights It's people, whether or not you ever step in a church, whether or not you believe in religion, we believe in human rights. Right. And that's the trail we're following now. That's bringing us to a new day. And it is happening across the world. And we are going to get there too. In fact, we really are on our way. Because you can see that the death penalty first in practice is going away. And then you can see that now a majority of people... Say, you believe in killing bin Laden? Yeah, yeah. Kill the right people? Yeah. But then when you ask people, here you have the choice with life over death. Most people now in America are choosing life. They see all the things wrong with it, and they also see the great cost. You know, that made me sad at first when I said, don't tell me we're going to do it on the money. But Martin Luther King said, a budget is a moral document. That's right. part of morality. Just put all our money into killing a few people. Or let's get more policemen on the street. Let's, you know, the arrest record of people that commit crimes. We have a lot of work to do in this country.
2: Well, I, I'm glad you're helping us do it. Thank you, Sister. You're terrific. Thank, you. Thank you for not bringing your ruler. Because Lord knows I deserve it. All right, Sister Helen, praise Let's Thank meet you. our panel. Thank you, Sister. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right, here they are. He is the former chief of staff. To Colin Pallett is now a distinguished adjunct professor at the College of William and Mary, Lawrence Wilkerson. Hello, Colonel. She is the ex-governor of Michigan, who is now the director of the American Jobs Project at UC Berkeley. Jennifer Granholm. Hi. And he's the former Chief of Staff the House Majority Leader Eric Ketter and former RNC Communications Director, our friend Doug Heise over here. Hey, Doug, how are you? How are you? Yeah. All right. Remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and send us your questions for tonight's overtime, so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. I want to start off with Iran, the Iran deal. We've never really talked about it in detail on this show, but it's going to be coming up to a, for a vote in about a month. Um, for those people who have kind of tuned out because it seems very technical, let me break it down. It's a no-brainer. The only
4: argument—the
2: <laughs> on, only argument not to do the deal—is pretty much the argument Mitch McConnell put forward the week before Obama took office. Say no to everything he does, no matter what it is. I'll give you a few of the facts. It calls for Iran. To get rid of ninety eight percent of their enriched uranium, they now have twenty thousand centrifuges. After this, they have to get rid of all but six thousand and those are the oldest ones that are useless to making a bomb. Uh, they have two big reactors, those will be constantly monitored. One of them is in a mountain, so a airstrike probably wouldn 't wipe it out anyway uh, twenty four days that 's what you hear from the other side that they have. Iran is being given 24 days, yeah, but not on the sites where the nuclear stuff is. That's the entire country. Yes, we can't look into everybody's broom closet, but no expert thinks you can start up a nuclear program in somebody's house in 24 days. So that's bullshit. And and the kicker is that (laughs) if we don't do this, the sanctions go away anyway because the other countries aren't going to keep them up. So we either do the deal and get all this, or we get nothing. So that's what I mean by no-brainer. Right.
5: And it lasts for 15 years, and it right. doesn't mean that any of the other tools that we have in our diplomatic arsenal to prevent Iran from funding Hezbollah or, or you know messing in the Middle East aren't available. We can still do those other things. So, to me, what is the alternative if they say no to this?
3: Bill, I've been involved with Iran since 1984. I've seen some really bizarre things. I saw, On our side. I saw Ronald Reagan try to trade mm-hmm. weapons to Iran for hostages. I remember. I saw us take Iran's side in the Iran-Iraq war, one of the most brutal wars in the world right. at that time. I saw us take Iraq's side, ultimately, in Operation El Dorado Canyon. I saw a shoot-down in Iranian Airbus with 270 innocent Iranian civilians You're on You're saying it. we can't be trusted. I'm telling you, I've seen some <laughs> I've seen some some bizarre things, but the opposition to this deal, unless I walk into the political world as you just did, I can't explain it. The opposition to this deal is bizarre. It eliminates none of the other alternatives. They're four: do nothing, the deal, bomb or invade. If you do the deal, the other three are still available. So, what could possibly be the opposition? I don't know.
4: Look, I think, I, I, I think the opposition is bipartisan. You know, a lot of the attacks have come on Republicans. Obviously, they've been very vocal on this, but it's not just Republicans. And when we've seen the president, that pres- doesn't tell us what the opposition is. Well, well the, but the president is the president's castigated this in, in two ways. One, if you're if you're against this deal, you're for war, and if you're against this deal, then you're standing in common cause with those who chant "Death for but America." Still and I don't think that I don't think us. that Chuck Schumer is standing. You're still in avoiding cause. the issue itself. What is the argument for not doing the deal? Well, the argument that we're hearing from so many people from Capitol Hill, Republicans. And Democrats, bipartisan majority. Yeah, we got that. Is is that no deal is better than than this deal? Really? And that's and that's what, that's Still what Trump Trump saying. Still not saying that's what, what The actual argument is there isn't not. one.
2: There that is exactly not an actual there argument. isn't one, and that's why you have to filibuster because there just isn't one. And by the way, the arrogance that we could just knock down any door in their house. And can Iran be trusted? As you just pointed out, can we be trusted? No, no. may be trusted, says the country that fomented a coup in Iran in 1953. Uh, you know, I saw we were at, uh, I mentioned opening the embassy in Cuba. And uh, I noticed the Republicans are very upset that Cuban dissidents were not allowed. Well, it is an embassy opening. Kerry's meeting with them right after. But one of the Cubans said, well, you know, the people who are torturing on the island of Cuba are us at Guantanamo Bay. And we don't have racial prejudice here on Cuba. So, you know, America is not blameless. We cannot always operate from the beginning of, we're the good people. Everybody else just do what we say.
3: I was, I was in Havana on December the 17th when... Raul gave his speech and when Obama gave his speech, there were 400 people in the room with me, roughly 50-50 Cuban and American. There was not a dry eye in that room, diplomats and others. People have been working for years for better relations between Havana and Washington, knowing that the Cold War was over, knowing that Cuba was spreading doctors around the world, not revolution, knowing that Cuba had one of the most incredible public diplomacy operations in the world with those medical technicians and doctors, and knowing that we needed better relations. When they made that speech in Havana on the 17th of December, those two speeches, there were people in that room who were crying. It was overdue, way overdue. As Colin Powell said to me many times, all you got to do is open up and the dictatorship will be gone in two years. That's all you got to do.
2: Well, you're an expert on this stuff. I've been wanting to have an expert to answer me this question because... Iran is fighting ISIS. I don't think a lot of the Republican candidates know that this is happening, but don't we have to kind of don't we have to kind of pick who's the enemy because you can't help them both. When you help one, you don't help the other. You hurt you 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 are an ally of the other. Okay? So whose side are we on? Who's worse? Iran or ISIS? Because if it's ISIS, if they are the really bad people, we shouldn't perhaps be making enemies Of Iran and every time I say that the locals should handle them this themselves the locals being the other Sunni Arab countries I won't even bring Iran into this the experts say to me oh Bill it would be great if that could happen but I'm afraid they just can't do it so let me ask the deeper question of an expert why are Muslim armies in the Middle East so useless so except Except for ISIS, Boko Haram, the Taliban. Except for the ones that believe in Islamic fundamentalism. Those, those are really good armies. We, in fact, we can't defeat them. But the other armies show that chart that I showed this a few months ago on the show. These are the forces under arms. Uh, Egypt, 1.4 million people under arms. Iraq has 800,000. Turkey has almost a million. The Saudis and the Kurds have 250,000. Jordan has 180,000. Syria, 600,000. This, there's over four million soldiers. ISIS has about 20 to 30,000. We don't know exactly. They're like Scientology, you can't get. Yeah, look. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> ISIS and the rest of the Sunnis in the Middle East. And they can't take them. So tell me, expert, why are they so useless?
3: Well, let me let me give you a little history on this and say that you're absolutely right. US policy <laughs> US policy for almost half a century in that region of the world notwithstanding our overthrow of Mosaddegh in 53 and the Shah's collapse in 79 and so forth, which were perturbations, U.S. policy was to be offshore in carrier battle groups, marine amphibious groups, and to move ashore only as it was necessary to protect our interests and keep the peace. That was it. Boots on the ground was out of the question because everyone understood the admonition from the Princess Bride you don't want to start a land war in Asia.
4: <laughs> People forget. Iran right. is in
3: Asia. It's not something we should be doing. I agree with you 100%. It's okay. not something we should be doing. It's something... But, but, And to the question of
2: why they're so useless?
3: Why they're so useless? Let's why 4 million can't defeat 20,000? A bigger question. A bigger question. Why does the United States always side with the weak government, the lack of courage, the lack of faith, the lack of anything you want to talk about in terms of stamina. Vietnam, look at that government. That government didn't have a country. It had a relationship with the United States. Right. And when a real government came along from Hanoi, it beat them. Right. Look at Iraq. Look at Afghanistan. Why do we always pick the places where there's no one to defend? Where are the lunatics on our side? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean... It's funny, you know,
2: (laughs) these Middle Eastern countries, they don't want to get involved in the Middle East. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's too tough. (laughs) You know, why are we doing it? It's like when a dad says he's going to babysit. You're not babysitting. They're your kids. (laughs) Let them do their... All right, I get it. Let me bring up another subject. I'm going to get to Donald Trump in the second half of the show, but uh, they're so mad at him for what he said about Megyn Kelly. But I was looking at some of the comments from other Republican candidates in response to Donald Trump's Megyn Kelly comment. Carly Fiorina, there is no excuse. I stand with Megyn Kelly. But she doesn't stand with equal pay for women, <laughs> maternity leave, abortion rights, contraception as part of health care. Jeb Bush, what Donald Trump said is wrong. You ought to apologize. But Jeb Bush bragged at the debate about Florida being the first state to defund Planned Parenthood.
5: And he's not the only one. I mean, there's one thing what they say and what they've actually done. I mean, Jeb Bush, just as the example, when he was governor, not only did he defund Planned Parenthood, but he actually, as governor, intervened in two cases to prevent a 13-year-old girl Weird. and a mentally challenged woman who was raped Terry from being able to have, no, from being able to get an abortion. Sure. Oh, so oh. It was, these are two abortion cases. He intervened as governor. And... He allowed this bill to become law, which was called the Scarlet Letter Bill, which required women who want, who are single moms who wanted to put their children up for adoption to publish their sexual histories in the newspaper so that the father would know, even if they were raped. And, and then he writes in his book that he published called Profiles in Character, that he thinks that... He thinks that... I'm not kidding. That public public shaming of single mothers or promiscuous teenagers is a good thing to prevent them from misbehaving. So I'm just saying, that's just one example. I mean, all these other guys, you know, the the folks on the federal side, Anti-Violence Against Women Act, they voted against it. They voted against equal pay. They vote, they all want to shut down the government to defund Planned Parenthood. I mean, really, 60% of all women, Republicans too, favor Planned Parenthood. This is not a good strategy.
4: Governor, Governor, I I spent a lot of time, a lot of time working on the Violence Against Women Act. It moved because Republicans said, you know what, we can't reach common ground with Senator Patty Murray, who kept moving the ball farther and farther away from us whenever we tried to get an agreement, but we moved the Violence of Women Act forward. But I find it insulting, absolutely insulting, not that you are being insulting, of course, but that when we talk about women and women's issues, we have to talk about contraceptive and abortion and Lily Ledbetter. You okay, know what wait, women wait. care about? Who's women talking, care about women care talking about it? About you guys talking
5: about it. You guys are talking about it. Women care about,
4: women care about jobs. Totally. They care about schools. They care about their health care costs. Okay. It's as insulting as saying, you know what? Hispanic voters care about immigration and only okay, immigration. But how it's how just times, not true. Wait, wait,
5: wait. How many times in the Republican debate... How many times did the, the abortion Planned Parenthood come up and how many times did the words middle class come up? You know, they overwhelmingly, it was all about defunding Planned Parenthood and anti-choice. Do you know what? Even Republicans, 61% of Republicans favor uh, an exception. To the ban on abortion for rape and incest, even 61% of Republicans. And but they're yet, still pro-life. Oh, well, fine. But 61% say there should be an exception. But you've got candidates out there who don't favor any exceptions, like yeah. Scott I, Walker, who doesn't even favor an exception for the life of the mother. I yeah. mean, come on. But,
4: but again, okay. to my point, why is it when we talk about women's issues, it always has to be about abortions? You're, yeah. you're the ones who talk about it nonstop. Yeah. And and I would say, women care about jobs. They care. Para- they they care, they care about totally getting agree. their, their no. wages increased they care about right but, but you're costs. against the minimum wage and most minimum wage not, workers are that, okay. that's that's not true and okay. Okay. but wait, you're not wait, against the minimum wage where we've where we've got look, i'll be the first to admit that we had a lot of bad senate candidates who said a lot of stupid things thank you todd aiken thank you richard murdoch uh, Republicans, you, well, should, you mm, should be grateful for me, those two because that's why we didn't win the let, Senate. Let me read one more stupid
2: thing. Um, <laughs> because Mike Huckabee, candidate, also condemned Donald Trump. He said, I would never say anything like that. I hope he apologizes, blah, blah, blah. But Mike Huckabee also said this: he said about Beyoncé. He said, She is a terrific dancer without the explicit moves that would best be left for the privacy of the bedroom. But Here's getting to my point that they just don't get women. He said, Jay-Z is a very shrewd businessman, but I wonder, does it occur to him that he is arguably crossing the line from husband to pimp by exploiting his wife as a sex object as if Beyonce does not run her career on her own? (laughs) He thinks that Beyonce and (laughs) Jay-Z... are ike and Tina Turner. <laughs> so uh I, well, this I this is, this defend that. this, talk. Is, well, this I, is the man.
4: <laughs> right, let me just I bring this up because <laughs> they do have a problem with women and they just seem to not hey, but really... They have a problem with single women. We do very well with married women. Mitt Romney Well, we well, do right, well, 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 well with married women. Uh, Obama beat. Right, right. And I'm not talking about binders by
2: the way. No, Obama beat. Uh, one women 55 to 45, all women. He won single women 67 to 31. And there's there's our problem. But the RNC has come out with a picture book uh, <laughs> to help explain <laughs> to Republican politicians
4: Did this come out when I was working for this, Michael yes, Steele? You, you, I just need yes. to know that.
2: It, it's called <laughs> The Mysterious People <laughs> Who Aren't Men. <laughs> Would you like to hear it? Because yes. uh, okay, all right, it's explaining to Republican politicians. Okay, you're down in the polls, and you don't know why. It seems like you're popular with all of the guys, but the reason the Republican Party's in trouble is all you old white men live in a bubble. <laughs> You've got Jeb and Trump, Santorum and Walker. All of them somewhere between creepy and stalker. <laughs> But I'll tell you a secret if you keep it between us. There are voters out there who don't have a penis. (laughs) Women, they're called, and they think and they feel. Why, it's almost as if they're actually real. (laughs) Your mom, your sister, your niece, and your wife. There are lots of nice women all over your life. We're mostly alike, although they're often much kinder. They live in our houses, not Mitt Romney's binder. (laughs) The first first step, of course, is admitting we're clueless and our vision for women is pregnant and shoeless. (laughs) Of course they're so mad that they're trying to unseat us. Wouldn't you have someone made you carry a fetus? (laughs) But give them respect and we'll stop looking corny. Admit they exist even when we're not horny. (laughs) support equal pay, and they'll come to adore us. Take it from me. That's the political clitoris. Okay. <laughs> he is an activist and hip-hop musician whose album, Fuck the Money, hey, <laughs> drop today for free online at Quillie.com. Talib Quali is over here. Hey! How are you, sir? I'm a big fan. It's great to see you here. Hello, everybody. Okay. Now, before we get to... Look at that to say that. Yeah. Now, you uh, smell like weed. Okay, <laughs> I... I... Where did that come from? Just off the top. Where did just, it come from? It came
1: from your shirt. Man, I that's bought what, this shirt today. That's nonsense. I bought this shirt today.
2: <laughs> I have a very good nose for me.
1: Uh, that's somebody in the audience. We in California. That's it's the right. audience. I see him too. Uh, see
2: congratulations. They, they revealed today, you know, the president is on vacation. And he said he brought two playlists with him on his vacation. One, And they published them. One for daytime and one for nighttime. <laughs> Let's get it on. No, I, but uh, one of yours made the daytime playlist. That's right. That's and, right. right. It's, and what is it? It's, uh, me- it's memories.
1: Memories live. live. Me and my man high yes. tech from Cincinnati, Ohio. We did a record called. Uh, Ref- it's a great Reflection record. Of, yeah. Michelle I, Obama when she was when they were running. She said that goodbye was on her playlist so I'm just all up in the, on the speakers in the it's a, it's a very it's a great record it's so sweet it,
2: you know you're recalling your your youth and how you got yes. in the game yes. I relate to it because at one point you said writing rhymes on napkins yes and that's what comedians do all yes. our young life was yes. writing jokes on napkins. before I used before to have barrels cell phones. of napkins
1: yes nows in the notes but yes so napkins right. and oh yes. note to self
2: do it in my phone <laughs> I'm still using the them. But now you're all grown up. You're an yes. activist. You were in Ferguson for the anniversary of the murder of oh, yes. Michael Brown.
1: Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, and, Michael uh,
2: mm-hmm. What was it like there last week? I know there was some trouble.
1: Uh, yeah, there was some trouble uh, out on Canfield and West Florissant. Actually, uh, a young man got shot while I was on stage. Uh, the official story, and you know, you can never believe the official story, but the official story is... You know, that he had nothing to do with the protest. I don't know. I I can't speak on what happened. I know what happened at my show. I organized two free concerts to raise money. The first night was to raise money for protesters and actions on the ground. We had Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Boots Riley, Jessica Caremore. Uh, The next night was myself, Common, uh, Immortal Technique, Tef Poe, Jasiri X. We came together. We did a show in St. Louis for the people. We gave the proceeds. Free show, but donations go to the family of Mike Brown. Oh, so,
2: yeah. so, you know, since, since that, it's been a year, but 40 laws on the positive side have been passed in 24 states. That's right. About cameras, cops have to have cameras, uh, racial bias training, mm-hmm. yeah. limits on the militarization of the police. That's right. So there has been some positive that has come out of it.
1: Yes, I mean, you know, it's our, it's our duty to stand up and not obey unjust laws. It's our duty right. to stand up for our rights. And, um, you know, what's interesting about Ferguson is that these are young people, these are women, these are black people, white people, queer people, a, a community that came together, working class students who weren't activists, saw Mike Brown's body laying in the streets for six hours. They saw the systemic racism, the, the Department of Justice came down because of what happened in Ferguson and, and, and let mainstream America know, look, these people ain't, ain't bugging out. This is a real problem. The people been seeing it, um, they stood up. And the thing about the people in Ferguson is they did not go home. When, they, when the tanks came out, they, they stayed in the streets. Matter of fact, they still in the streets now. I got friends of mine who got arrested. You know what I'm saying? Cornell West to Siri X got arrested on Monday. So they changed the conversation along with the, the young women who started Black Lives Matter after Trayvon Martin was murdered by Neighborhood Watch.
2: Let me ask you about that, because there was some controversy this week. Uh, Bernie Sanders, Democratic mm-hmm. candidate for president. Uh-huh. Very popular. Uh, two activists interrupted his speech mm-hmm. and grabbed the mic, uh, didn't even do a Kanye ain't gonna let you finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but yeah.
1: Hillary Clinton is...
2: Right. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of people said, you know, um, why Bernie Sanders? I mean, if you're going to interrupt somebody, I mean, this guy has 100% approval rating from the NAACP.
1: NAACP He's- like Donald Sterling, too, though. So.
2: What? Yeah, yeah, you
1: missed that part? Like no, Donald- I, I did miss it. Yeah, yeah, part. yeah. So, I mean, you know, Bernie you Sanders... You mean a
2: place called the National Association <laughs> for the Advancement of Colored People is out of date?
1: I mean, you know, <laughs> we love the NAACP. You know, we love... The NAACP and the history... But Bernie
2: Sanders, plainly, is not a racist. Bernie Sanders is not the problem.
1: Well, you know, Bernie Sanders is somebody who, you know... He's, an, he's somebody who, just because someone has a record of civil rights, doesn't mean they are automatically entitled to the black vote. But and he, I, is he the first guy we should be attacking? Well, I, you know, I, uh, he might be we, the, well, Shouldn't, shouldn't we work vote? up
2: our way from he, people who...
1: He might be the easiest because he's somebody who's dealing with the people more directly than a Jeb Bush think, or a Hillary Clinton. Think, he might be the easiest to get to. But, I mean, I think the thing is that you got to look what happened after these activists. Me, personally, I'm friends with some of the people who started Black Lives Matter. My sensibilities, when I first saw what happened to Bernie in Seattle, I was like, well, maybe, you know, that's not right, but I was corrected. I had to stand corrected because the job of activism is not to be liked or not to be polite. It's about making sure these issues, black women vote more than anybody in this country, and you have young black women who started Black Lives Matter, and they are, fo- are forcing this discussion. They say, you're not gonna be a progressive and say that just because you're a progressive that you, you are, have, have a good view of racial, you have a grasp of racial issues. It's very possible to be pr- progressive and still have no understanding the racial issues. You know what I'm saying? And I think, and what's happened since then is that since they've used protests, which, you know, Martin Luther King did and Nelson Mandela did and Gandhi and all these political figures did, historical figures did, they've changed the dialogue, they forced... O'Malley is his name, yeah. to come up with a platform. They forced Bernie, uh, being, uh, Bernie Sanders to deal with it, and that's positive and beautiful, In and fact, I love them for all
5: it. All of these Democratic candidates now have a, uh, a platform on ending right. mass incarceration, making right. sure there body camps. And Black Lives Matter did confront Jeb Bush this week. And That's I right. hope they continue to confront yeah. the Republicans
1: as yeah. well. Yeah, I I would, no I one would. gets a okay. yeah. no, no politics right. get a pass on this. Yeah.
5: Um, let me
2: show you a little video. This is some people in Ferguson showed up. They were uh, the militia called the Oath Keepers. Uh, and this is something that we've seen elsewhere in America. Uh, a bunch of white guys with automatic machine guns and body armor showing up. I see my man Jeff wa-
1: Poe out there telling him to go home.
2: I just want I, I to ask the question, what do you think would happen if a bunch of black people showed up
1: <laughs> and,
2: and <laughs> with automatic weapons exercising their constitutional rights? That is kind of white privilege, isn't it, that you can show up? They should stay home. They should stay home, and, and it's not constructive okay. for anything. And but you would admit there's two Americas on that issue. No, absolutely. Okay. Look, right.
4: Republicans have been talking about this as well, and I think you know, Republicans, if we have a, let's say, robust skepticism of government, well, that includes our justice system, too. It right. speaks to what Sister Helen was saying as well.
2: Right. All right. Let me ask, before we run out of time, about, Do- about Donald Trump in Iowa, because I think this is a giant story. I didn't see anybody talking about it today, that Donald Trump is ahead in Iowa because it's the one place that people said Donald Trump was not going to do well, because he's a New Yorker. Remember Giuliani? Wouldn't even participate in Iowa. I've had so many people sitting on this show telling me Chris Christie, even when he was riding high, is not going to play in Iowa. They're too evangelical. He's too New York. Are you this beginning? says so much about the electorate. Yeah. Even the evangelicals want to be called on their shit. They are desperate <laughs> to have somebody lead them. Somebody say, you know what? I just don't bend to your bullshit. And Donald Trump, I got to say, I don't agree with him on a lot, but I kind of get him. We kind of been doing
3: the same the thing. The
5: same politically incorrect stuff, right? right. He's, he's, he's
3: yeah. got an exquisite ear for what... A lot of disgruntled Americans want to hear, too. For example, today in New Hampshire, his remarks about the Iraq War is almost total condemnation of the Iraq War and George W. Bush's policy, my administration's policy. What other Republican has said that other than Rand Paul? Yeah. Um,
5: well, um, uh, let me just say, I do not think he's saying what people want to hear when he calls Mexicans
1: rapists and no, murderers, as he's no, no, calling No, but there are I some. There are some. They do want well, to hear that. They're in Yes, yes they, they do. A lot of them do. These people, the <laughs> oath keepers, <Yeah>. and <laughs> Donald Trump, and all of them, they're racist. They're sexist. They're white men who feel like the country's being taken away from them. It's no coincidence that when Obama got into office, all this stuff changed over. And as I say, he's saying what Fox News has been saying, but he's not playing a political game. And he's yep, given them right. cover to be able to do that. Ultimately,
4: what do we talking about in politics over the past three months? All day, every day is Donald Trump. Marco Rubio gives a policy speech. Nobody pays attention to it. Rick Perry gives a speech on race. Nobody pays attention to it. All we do is talk about Trump. So it shouldn't be surprising that six months out, the person that has 100% name ID, not only in Iowa, but, but in it's every that state, coincidence is, that people is, is the are one tra- who's leading. Okay, but, but, but it's not just coincidence. 24 million
2: people watched the debate. I looked it up. Do you know what the first GOP debate in 2012 got? How much? 3.2. Wow.
4: Uh, so yeah. no one was at, watching to hear Mike Huckabee's tax policy. At, Absolutely. At, we, were watch, we were going to watch the Donald Trump show. And, you know, what we saw, actually, from Fox is when you ask him specific questions on specific issues and don't let him just change the conversation however he wants, he starts to wilt a little bit. This is a guy with
2: three wives, latest one is a model, who uh, has said uh, that he doesn't look to God for forgiveness, uh, that he doesn't really even bother God. He said that. <laughs> he? <I> don't... <laughs> okay. Tell me why he's not finished in the state that everybody always said was run by he's evangelicals, like, and you couldn't win no. it. because we didn't actually, cover, Americans that. Americans we didn't actually cover that. Because Americans know they're no. full
4: of shit. They did. <laughs> That's why. And when politics, they are That's so full of right. shit. Americans barely heard it because what we did hear was we heard about Lindsey Graham's cell phone. We heard about him name-calling John McCain. No, no. We heard name-calling, name-calling, I, name-calling. They're so we tired of hear politicians
2: saying to them, if we only had a government as good as the people, they know they're not good. <laughs> they know they're not bright, and they know they don't know anything.
5: I, you know, I think what they want is they appreciate the pizzazz, right? They appreciate the show. But I think they're tired of the same old, same old policies. Anti-immigrant, anti-woman, anti-climate science. That's Those are his policies. That's what I'm saying. I don't think, I think they're all the same. I think they're all the same. Don't let the pizzazz fool you, but at least it gives them something to look at. in the, okay. If you but, look at, he's a reality show guy, right? In a reality show, oh, wow. in Survivor, they keep the villain on as long as possible oh, wow. because he's so interesting. Yeah. But wait, but in the end, in the end, wait, in the end, though, the villain doesn't win. We'll in see. In the end. We'll
3: see. I mean, and but what he's, what, is he expo- what he's exposing, glaringly so, is the paucity of ideas and real issue discussion in my political party.
5: Oh yeah.
4: I, would, I, would say that, so I would say that we've got plenty of ideas that we're talking about that our candidates are talking about, but all the oxygen has been taken by Donald Trump. Again, well, Marco Rubio gave a gave a I thought a very good education speech. No one in this audience saw it. <laughs> Rick Perry gave a speech yeah. where he touched where he talked about race. In more, in more blunt terms than Republicans have ever really done. <laughs> but, no one in this audience saw it. Why? Because we were talking about hey, Lindsey Graham's cell phone number that Donald Trump okay. gave out. If we're, well, if it's up to the press to pin him on specific issues, oh, not let him up, and then he'll start to wither. Oh, dream. He's all over the place on immigration.
2: Dream on the
5: press. He's not, he's not and and to no. me one question, Donald
2: Trump was the original okay. birther guy, right? Uh, Ted Cruz... What happened to the birther issue? Ted Cruz came out and said, my mother was born in America. Nobody ever contested that Obama's mother was born in America. Why was it an issue with Obama, but not Ted Cruz? It t- I read you.
4: Those those cats. Get their birthday. Look, Bill, to be clear, <laughs> anytime 90. a Republican starts talking about Obama in Kenya, they're hurting the Republican Party. Anytime a Republican Senate candidate is talking about legitimate rape, whatever that is, they're hurting the Republican Party. Yeah, we need people, you know, sometimes we need less dialogue. We need some people to just stop talking.
2: <laughs> Great segue to stop. go to new rules. Thank <laughs> you. Very much. Not all. Stop talking. Now that Kim Jong-un has executed some 70 officials, he has to explain why his barber is still alive. (laughs) Is it possible he's surrounded by sycophants? So many sycophants that nobody has the nerve to tell him his hair looks ridiculous. Yes, I suppose that is possible. (laughs) New rule, Columbia House, the 13 albums for a dollar people, must not be allowed to file for bankruptcy as they did this week. They must be charged with crimes against humanity. (laughs) Who will speak for the millions who were forced to buy Spandau Ballet? (laughs) Men at Work and Laura Branigan albums they did not want. Or that Bruce Willis Bruno album. And who will hold to account the company that invented the long-term contract you can never get out of before Verizon and Comcast perfected it? New Rule, Gwyneth Paltrow has to answer this question. Are you trying to make us hate you? (laughs) This week, Gwyneth spoke about GMO labeling on Capitol Hill, but when it was Senator Leahy's turn to speak, she started texting. You know, if this keeps up, you're going to ruin the end of the movie seven because when the audience finds out it's your head in the box, they're just gonna go, good. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. New rule, now that the thing we used to use to phone each other is being used for everything but phoning each other, We must stop calling it a phone. It's time to call these things what they really are, food cameras and douchebag locators. (laughs) And (laughs) the related new rule, just so we're clear, if you look directly at me and speak, and then when I reply, you point to your headset to indicate you're actually talking to someone else on the phone, you're the asshole. (laughs) And finally, new rules, since it was my million-dollar check to Obama in 2012 that turned around his lagging campaign and put America back on the path to awesome exceptionalism. (laughs) Tonight, I would like to announce that the time has come for me to step forward and save Hillary Clinton's lagging campaign by digging down deep and forking over $1 million... Worth of advice.
5: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we'll I... will <laughs> come back to you. we back to you that. I live
2: in California. <laughs> I need that money to pay my water bill. <laughs> now, I know many liberal Democrats these days are expecting Bernie Sanders to be their standard-bearer, now that he's a... Now that he's ahead in New Hampshire, but I wouldn't have the couches in the Oval Office fitted for plastic slipcovers just yet. (laughs) I mean, I love Bernie, but we must assume Hillary is going to be the nominee. And after witnessing... Yes! After witnessing the gruesome hundred-car pileup that is the Republican field, I, for one, am not going to stand idly by and let Hillary blow this thing. And yes, the situation is dire. Her positives are in free fall, with only 37% of Americans now viewing Hillary favorably. And 57% say she's not trustworthy. If an election were held today, she'd lose key battleground states to Scott Walker, a man who looks like a drunk in a silent movie who's, <laughs> who's just been punched by mistake. <clears throat> Perhaps <clears throat> worst of all, one poll says she's now viewed negatively by white women with college degrees. That's like Obama losing John Legend. <laughs> Hillary, I don't want to sound like Trump, but your campaign stinks and your numbers are terrible. <laughs> and speaking of Trump, Hillary, you should be the one candidate who hits that blowhard as hard as he hits. Say something like, Mr. Trump, you accuse Megyn Kelly of being on the rag, but what's going on with your hormones when you start whining every time a woman asks you a tough question, you little bitch? (laughs) And that's my first bit of advice. You gotta make the campaign more fun. This week, you introduced a detailed plan to make college more affordable, as you've released detailed plans on immigration, climate change, taxes, whatever. (laughs) Honey, that's stuff that's actually relevant to the job of being president of the (laughs) United States. But this is America. (laughs) Campaigns aren't for policy. Just say, I will be the best at college affordability. And enjoy it more. A prominent supporter recently called your campaign joyless. And it kind of is. Now, I know this presents a conundrum. How do you appear more joyful, but without that laugh? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The laugh. The one that makes people think you're the wicked witch of the West Wing. You gotta get rid of that, and you gotta find a way to look like you're a spontaneous fun-lover. See if Taylor Swift has room in her girl gang for you. Ride an inflatable penis with Miley Cyrus. Lick a donut with Ariana Grande. Pee in a bucket with Justin Bieber. <laughs> Jeez, girl, you invented bad blood. Start a Twitter war with Katy Perry and then delete your tweets. Okay. Next. Next thing you have to do. I want you to announce your VP pick. And I want it to be Baltimore Slap Mom. That's right. Remember the woman during the Baltimore riots this year who slapped her son because he was throwing bricks at the cops? She is your ticket to the White House. Liberals love her because she's a strong single mom, and conservatives love her because she beats the crap out of unarmed black teenagers. (laughs) And... Finally, Hillary, your ace in the hole to get America back on your side is your husband, Bill Clinton. He has to have an affair. (laughs) Or at least you have to find a way to publicize one of the ones he's probably already had. I say this because the years when you owned Most Admired Woman in America were the years when he was doing with anything that had shoulder-length hair and moved slower than he did. (laughs) You can get the magic back, but Bill has to humiliate you. If at all possible, with Rebel Wilson (laughs) on the Jumbotron, at a Cubs game, while you're throwing out the first pitch. <laughs> oh, we can also make this work with Jonah Hill. <laughs> but now. Nah. All right, that's our show. I'll be at the Century in Wichita, Kansas, September 12th. The Washington Pavilion in Sioux Falls, September 13th. And at the Embassy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, September 9th. I want to thank my guests, Lawrence Wilkerson, Jennifer Granholm, Doug High, Philip Quilley and sister Helen, Helen Prejean, join us now on Overtime on YouTube. And thank you, folks.
0: Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 11, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more info, log on to HBO.com.